I am so sick of the media dictating the terms of the narrative in this country. I'm so sick of having to be apologetic for who I am. I'm so sick of people in middle America being called a flyover country or slope-headed conservative teabaggers. And it's going to be teabagging day. It's hard to talk when you're teabagging. Appreciate <laughs> it very much. It's so funny because the teabaggers, the one thing they hate is when you call them racist. If racism is not the whole of the Tea Party, it is in its heart. The hatred that is Timothy McVeigh, that he had. There are plenty of people like that right now. Lots of I think you get the general tenor of this. It's anti-government since this is highly promoted by the right-wing conservative network Fox. The left pits people against each other. Divide and conquer is the strategy. I don't want to live in that world. It is the exact opposite of e pluribus unum. He said you were racist. He said you were very racist. He said he was. You're going to be dealt with. He said he was. This is going to come to light. He said you really are. It's going to come to light. You really are. Hey, just answer one question. Yes or no? What about the fake person? And what the left has stood for with political correctness is to try and get those with whom they disagree to shut up. And the Tea Party movement and Sarah Palin and Michelle Bachman and Alan West and, and all, the, all the people that have gone out there against the mainstream media and said, you're going to call us racist, you're going to call us potential Timothy McVeigh's, fuck you. War. Good morning and welcome to Road Warrior Radio. You're tuned in live this Friday, May 12th, 2023 on the one and only Republic Broadcasting Network. And as always, thanks for coming along for the ride. I am your host, Chris Hinckley, and uh, let's get started. We have a special guest this morning, Dr. Martin Paul. Um, As we've heard earlier this week by arrangement uh, by Brian and Jenna in Washington, thank you guys for doing this it's been a while since i've talked about the subject matter that we are going to discuss this morning unfortunately it shouldn't be that way this is probably something we should talk about quite regularly um but we're going to do it today nonetheless and i think that everyone will appreciate it i i have sort of a battery of i think practical questions that Hopefully, we'll help people understand why this subject matter is important uh, based on your responses. So, Dr. Martin Paul, you received your bachelor's from Johns Hopkins University, your PhD at Caltech. You were on the faculty at uh, Washington State University for uh, between three and four decades. And you've since since. Uh, semi-retiring your 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 career has really started actually it sounds like and uh you've published more than a dozen papers on the subject matter which have been very well received and uh you are sought after on the subject matter you've given talks and uh, people can find those on youtube for example um your papers they can find published around the uh interwebs and 
Um, so I'm excited to get into the subject of uh, electromagnetic fields or uh, frequency, the, the radiation um, exposure, the electromagnetic, electromagnetic hypersensitivity, and, uh, and all of the related subject matter. So good morning and welcome, sir. Thank you for coming on the broadcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, I suppose we should maybe begin, and and we'll end with this too, but where, how and where can people find you and support your work? Where, where can they best find you and support your work? <laughs> well, I work out of my home, so I don't have any... Uh, any Special places where I, um, I, I, I'm not sure I can answer that question, uh, okay. but I think the the best thing to do probably would be for people. Okay, so so get a number of my papers off of Google Scholar. Okay, and at at no cost. So if you uh, you go into Google Scholar and you put my name and you have to spell the last name P A L L. Uh, and uh, and electromagnetic, you'll get a whole bunch of papers coming up, and many of those you can download. So you can get a hold of my papers. You can send them to anybody you want. And uh, what needs to be done, I think, is to start getting some information to the to the news media because. Imagine that. I'm. Don't hear silence. What you usually hear is industry propaganda. Yes. Uh, that reminds me of um, Dr. Henry Lai and his colleague that did their research over at University of Washington. And, uh, you know, the story was that uh, it was a it was research that was funded by Motorola to see if, you know, basically the same subject matter is this. Uh, technology harmful and they they concluded that it was and essentially got the you know why don't you double check uh, treatment several times and then uh, eventually I guess Henry looked at um, the, the body of research on the subject figured out that it was about split 50-50 on whether or not this te- this technology was harmful, but but upon closer inspection, he discovered that it's actually inversely proportionate. If it's an independent study, it's overwhelmingly you know the conclusions are overwhelmingly that the technology is harmful. But if it's industry funded, then it's overwhelmingly you know favorable. So they're sort of they offset each other. And when he started to make this uh, information known publicly, there were it was discovered that uh, Motorola was trying to war game him and his colleague and get them fired and things like that. So I'm not surprised that uh, you know establishment press and things like that are reluctant to cover these things when I think we would we would all kind of easily be able to see, how that ties back to who's paying the bills to keep the lights on at those uh, institutions. Yeah, um, I, I'd say, I think, you know, uh, your account is uh, 
is bang on. There are a couple of details about it, I think, that are important, however. Mm-hmm. Um, one is he, uh, Henry Lai had support, had uh, funding from the National Institutes of Health. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what what the telecom industry did was to was to you know lobby them, and they did not terminate his his funding. But when it you know when it was you know it was for I don't know a three year period or something when the period was over, he was never able to get funding again. Right uh, and. Uh, but the other thing I think that makes this whole thing even more pathological is that more or less over that same time period, funding dried up for everybody. Interesting. I didn't know that. In in the U.S., yeah. I mean, between 1986 and 1999, um, independent re- you know, money to do uh, independent research, which was through the government, uh, dried up, and uh, so um, and and to this day, uh, you know, it, it, it's almost impossible to get funding. And uh, so, what that means is that almost all the good experimental work that's being done is being done elsewhere. And a lot of it's being done in countries we don't even think of as being scientific powerhouses, but they are are important. Interesting. Um, so, uh, you know, it's um, it's it's really bizarre. Anyway, okay. Very. Uh, and- the other thing, the other thing I want to say about Henry Lai is that his work, he he he, his work has made major breakthroughs in two very different areas with regard to the EMFs. One of them having to do with the neurological effects, and and it even includes the addictive nature of EMFs. And the other uh, has to do with the uh, breakage in the cellular DNA, both single-strand and double-strand breaks in the cellular DNA. Which, of course, are very damaging in terms of cancer causation, but also in terms of mutations that would be passed on to uh, to babies that receive them. Wow. So, uh, those are those are both very important findings, and uh, uh, and he should be honored for those. Uh, and he so anyway. Okay, that's my absolutely. Uh, yeah, we we could uh, we could get out into the weeds very quickly. Um, so I, I'm just going to say what what I say is that 5G and that you know related technology is good for robots. It's bad for people. If we look at the what's happening in you know the smart city arena mm-hmm. or discussion environment, it seems to be very very good. You know the proliferation of um, all of the technology and bringing IPv6 and things like that online is very good for robots, very bad for mm-hmm. people, and mm-hmm. so. Uh, I was wondering if you could give us kind of a working definition. What is EMF exposure, and uh, you know, what is what is a practical working definition? Okay, <laughs> that's actually a big charge. Okay, so yeah. so uh, let me. Okay, um, 
let me say first of all that there is a very large difference between electronically generated EMFs and most natural EMFs. So electronically generated EMFs, these are EMFs that are generated by electric currents. Um, these were first studied back in 1831 by um, Michael Faraday, the great British physicist. And he showed that, that when you have an electric current, it generates an electromagnetic field in the space around it. Now, when that happens, that field is what's called coherent. It is the, the, the whole field acts as sort of like a single object. And the, so the field is generated, and this is going to sound a little bit like gobbledygook, but um, where, where, the, where the, the EMFs from these electronically generated EMFs are, are, are put out in a particular vector direction with a particular phase polarity and, uh, and frequency. And because of that, because of the coherence, this thing's acting, as I say, as one single object, it um, produces strong, very strong forces, electric forces and magnetic forces. And those then can act on electric charges in our body and produce biological effects. Now, most natural EMFs are, are incoherent. Why are they? Well, because they're made up of many, many, you know, sort of trillions of different photons going off in different vector directions with different polarity, different phase, and in many cases, different frequencies, but not always. And so they're incoherent. They don't act as a single object, and they only produce minuscule forces. So they're completely different, and yet the industry completely ignores this difference. And, uh, and part of the reason why this is so, so dangerous is because to use an EMF for wireless communication, it has to be coherent. Why is that? Because you have, in, in wireless communication, you always have an emitting antenna, which is putting out a coherent EMF, and then a receiving antenna. And the way a receiving antenna receives the information is by the forces on, on, on electrons in, those, in the receiving antenna. So on charges. And so um, all wireless communications are much more dangerous than most natural EMFs because they're totally different things. Okay, now if let's get to 5G, okay? Um, what is 5G? Well, 5G is, um, is a system that is designed to carry gigantic amounts of information wirelessly. How does it do that? It does that through pulse modulation. That is, you have an underlying frequency, but how strong or weak it is varies from one nanosecond to another. You know, you see huge changes in the intensity of it over time. Okay. 
And what's been shown is that these, the pulse modulation makes these uh, EMFs much more biologically active and therefore much more dangerous. And this has been shown in numerous uh, review articles that have been published where people compare these uh, pulsed EMFs with non-pulsed EMFs of the same average intensity. Now, one of the problems we have here is that all of the so-called safety guidelines are based on average intensities. So they don't work. Yeah. They're simply bogus. And, uh, and, and they're particularly bogus when you look at things like 5G that have extraordinary amounts of pulsation. Yeah. And all of this stuff, of course, is ignored by the industry. It's ignored by the regulatory agencies. It's ignored by the FCC and, and the regulatory agencies in, in Europe and the UK and in Canada and Australia and basically all around the world. Um, so we're in very deep trouble. Very deep. My understanding is that uh, there are there are limits on the emissions in other countries, and our emission standards are very low. I don't know. I don't have the the exact. I I think I think that's true, but I'm not sure that's the most important thing. The whole structure of the mm-hmm. safety guidelines is bogus. It's not just the allowable levels. Yeah. It's the structure of it. It's bogus. It makes it. absolutely no sense. So all of the safety guidelines are based on average intensities over either a six-minute period or a 30-minute period. Don't ask me why. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and yet we know, for instance, that uh, you can have uh, nanosecond EMF pulses. Mm-hmm. These are actually quite strong pulses. Uh, they produce biological effects, and they go through the same mechanism as the other EMFs, and I'll tell you what that is later. Well, um, and uh, and yet, when you average their intensities over a six-minute period or a thirty-minute period, the average intensity then drops by a factor of something like ten to the eleventh or ten to the twelfth. So something like a million times a million times lower. And, of course, what the safety guidelines tell you was it can't possibly do anything. But they do, you know. So, and, and so these kinds of pulses are, make things much more dangerous. And that is, that's the bottom line. Well, I have, I have a few thoughts. I mean, for whatever reason, this, this makes me think of a few particular things that mm-hmm. because of the way this, subject matter has been framed would probably make most people say oh you know use terms like conspiracy theory or whatever but i mean it really what you described seems to also describe a few other uh phenomena i'll mention that on the other side of the break we're headed into a break folks stick around we'll be right back with my special guest dr martin paul
Do you truly want to stay out of the system? Are you prepared to buy into the biggest scam since the Iraqi dinar? If not, then put your money where it belongs, in your possession, not in the hands of an international MLM cartel. At Kettle Moraine Limited, we will provide you with the finest Swiss-minted detachable gram sheets of pure 24-karat gold for hundreds of dollars less than the so-called privately issued credit cards with elusive gold backing. Gold backing? The only gold that I want is in my back pocket, not backed by promises of an operation even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is suspect of, giving a rating of C-. To get the full story, visit SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com and go to the Valcombi Bullion Vault. Once you have read the whole story about the scam being perpetrated on an unsuspecting public and how you can avoid being a victim by purchasing these beautiful, barterable, tradable sheets of gold at tremendous savings and in the strictest of privacy, be prepared to take the steps to protect your wealth with the purchase of the real deal. Detachable 50-gram gold bars from Kettle Moraine Limited by calling 602-799-8214. Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one-tenth ounce bars. And don't forget, for all of your precious metal needs, whether buying or having the need to sell, call Kettle Moraine Limited. Remember, no dinar, no celery, and no carrots. If you buy from someone else... Tell them you want AU, not BS. Call Kettle Moraine LTD today at 602-799-8214. Kettle Moraine LTD, 602-799-8214. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution.
takes a lot less time. Welcome back. Joined again by my special guest, Dr. Martin Paul. Uh, we're talking about electromagnetic radiation and um, sensitivity, 5G and related technology. And what you were saying in the last segment made me think of a number of things. Um, for example, uh, directed energy weapons, the way that you were describing the difference between the naturally occurring uh, and the digitally created. Is that how you described it? Uh, electronic. Uh, Electronically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounded like... Uh, what you were describing reminds me of a directed energy weapon kind of technology. At least, I mean, that's that's what it sounded like when I was hearing. It reminds me of things like um, Woody Norris's technology, the voice of God, sonic weapon type thing, or the Russian woodpecker, um, Havana syndrome. It reminds me of military technology for obvious reasons when we get into, uh, you know, for example, your... Uh, what you've written on um, millimeter wave technology and microwave frequency radiation. Um, and so this all sort of reminds me of, generally speaking, a talk that George Friedman over at Stratfor gave back in 2017 uh, at Brain Bar Budapest and it's on YouTube titled, Is There a Global War Coming? George Friedman at Brain Bar. We play a clip from it sometimes, but he basically starts out and he says, you know, is there a global war coming? There's always been a global war. And, um, you know, if you want to bet on it, I'll bet, I'll bet, you know, that there will be a war. And I'll bet and win every time. And he says, you know, if you doubt global war is around you all the time he says i introduced to you the iphone and he goes through all of the technology in the iphone and all uh cell phone devices that originated you know largely from darpa for example and uh military contracts to develop all of this technology so it reminds me of those kinds of things okay yeah and i think for obvious reasons i mean it is the technology uh, finds its way into military applications if if it didn't originate from there to begin with, this electromagnetic and uh, specifically 5G technology. But that's, I mean, do you want to comment on that or, or should we just move on? Um, I mean, I, I, I think that in general, I, I talked about the pulsation issue. Mm -hmm. There are other things which have been shown to have large effects on, uh, you know, on, on the activity of these uh, EMFs, including there are very specific frequencies that produce much, much higher effects than do nearby frequencies. Uh, at at, at, and therefore produce effects at extraordinarily low intensities. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the energy that's involved. It's the, the structure of the individual um, EMF field that is important here. And I think that, in general, 
the peak intensities, meaning the, the, the highest levels on a, on a kind of a nanosecond scale or even shorter than that, are, are the most important. Uh, average intensities really tell you nothing. So, um, so yeah, in general, I think, I think you're right. I don't know that I'd talk about them as energy weapons because basically what they're doing is producing biological effects, and it's not the energy that's doing that. Uh, it's the specific properties of the EMFs. And, uh, but so, um, I, the other thing I'd say is that uh, microwave frequencies are, are probably more active than, or are probably better to use as a weapon than, uh, than uh, the millimeter waves, uh, the higher frequencies, because they're, the, the uh, slightly lower frequencies are more, are more penetrating. So you can penetrate through walls and things like that. We're headed into another break. Stick around, folks. We'll be right you back. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee... You have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Standing six foot four, weighing in 245 pounds of crime fighting, political science, analyzing brawn. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patrick Slattery. So, Mike, get off this anti-cicada agenda. I'm a born-again traditional Christian, and my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Call it with the anti-Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. you, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be a bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. 
Simply Clean Food's primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on Long-Term Food Storage in the rotating sponsors' banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. again by my special guest dr martin paul and this is the subject matter is uh generally speaking electromagnetic uh fields or uh frequencies and our exposure and the the harm that does that uh, people don't generally realize this includes uh 5g technology obviously i asked in the first segment of today's broadcast for a practical working definition and it's easy to see this is uh heady subject matter i think your working definition was something along the lines of electronically generated emfs are coherent uh being emitted at a frequent a specific frequency vector direction polarity and phase and that coherence is essential in bolt uh for their use in wireless communications and for us to understand the production of the biological effects yes very good Mm -hmm. and that's basically kind of an excerpt from uh your work but you know just hearing that i'm not sure that people really that that definition was sort of why i said you know it reminds me of this directed energy kind of stuff because Mm -hmm. as you Mm -hmm. were saying you know when you described michael faraday's research on the subject matter the naturally occurring stuff does not work in the same way. It doesn't have the specificity of frequency, the direction, and so on. And that that is that is something obviously that when those kinds of things are done, uh, f- frequency specificity, vector direction, polarity, and phase, you know, creates is done for a specific purpose and that kind of thing reminds me of military technology and application which is why i said what i said in the yeah, last I, I, I would just correct one thing mm-hmm. I, I was talking about most natural emfs okay there are actually some that are coherent <laughs> okay so I, I you know but most of them are not so that's yeah minor correction yeah okay mm-hmm. so I, I mentioned in the first segment I had a series of 
practical questions, I think, to help people understand. I think uh, one of the problems for people, you know, we, you said that we should be getting this information out uh, mm-hmm. into the media and uh, probably much farther and wider as you were, you know, as we discussed uh, Henry Lies parallel research and you mentioned that between 96 and 99 government funding for independent research dried up you know what people yeah, it, was hear, eight, it started in 86 actually yeah oh okay yeah mm-hmm. so what people usually hear i mean there is a very interesting phenomenon that has been occurring over time i think in america generally i think we used to be more of a rugged individualist type of a society that was less inclined to just trust generally, more suspicious. I think that's sort of in our American DNA, if you will, uh, Mm -hmm. from our founding. And we've come to a point now where uh, if some large government agency or some other unelected body that has some kind of veneer of expertise – says that something is safe, then, you know, people have this, they buy into the logical fallacy of the bandwagon effect to a certain extent and say, well, if something was wrong with this, surely somebody would say something. And the problem is, uh, at least twofold, as you said, the funding for independent research on this has all but gone away. And uh, many people have, I mean, you've been outspoken You've uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention, actually, speaking of your work, is Mm -hmm. the um, if I could find that real quick, the Inlander coverage of the uh, here it is, uh, the Inlander article. Over in Spokane, Washington, 5G, Apocalyptic or Safe Forum at Gonzaga presents divergent viewpoints. That's about about all that you get in what you might call mainstream circles. Yeah, it was was that. Okay. Let me me just comment on that because, you know, before I gave that talk, so there were two talks that were given. There was a, a, another um, uh, a person in the uh, actually in the uh, electrical engineering department at Washington State University gave a talk. Professor, and uh, has, and he gave the first talk, and I gave the second one. And uh, um, before I gave that talk, uh, they actually ran a very a very favorable article about what I was going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But then after uh, the talk, there were multiple falsehoods in the article about what I'd actually said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what happens, you know, when you have an industry that has so much money and so much power, uh, they can do almost anything. And in that case, they did. So, yeah. you know, um, that's what we're that's what we're dealing with. And uh, 
and it is um, yeah that's 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 the world we live in so anyway that's uh i'm I'm just trying to yeah mm-hmm. create a sort of um you know frame this in a way that people understand practically how uh, those kinds of forces might be brought to bear. We just saw that over the last few years. You know, there were a number of very credible uh, experts, immunologists, epidemiologists, doctors, very uh, highly respected and regarded guys like Dr. Peter McCullough, who were, you know, he was very uh, uh, extensively published, um, number of peer-reviewed papers. And then as soon as a certain narrative was framed and there were people who didn't fall in line with that narrative mm-hmm. again, kind of like Salvatore Natoli's, uh, quote, you know, in our society, we unconsciously equate size with importance and even power. And I would say, uh, authority. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people here, for example, the world health organization has said this, but most people don't really look into the fact, for example, that, and, you know, not to get sidetracked, but, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation and Gavi, which is essentially the Gates foundation together are the largest, uh, single contributor to the world health organization. So, I mean, does money buy influence? If it didn't, I don't think the Gates foundation would, um, make hundreds of millions of dollars of, uh, grants to the media. For example, and that's a separate subject, but just to kind of get people thinking that might be listening to this and might say, but why should I listen? Well, there's Mm -hmm. a reason why you're not hearing about the things that you're talking about. So my next question, I think, would be, is it possible that people could be suffering from electromagnetic sensitivity, hypersensitivity, and not even really know about it? I think the answer is clearly yes. Mm-hmm. Let me... Um, okay, so... Um, let me say something. Uh, let me say a few things about uh, EHS, electromagnetic hypersensitivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so what does the industry say? They say, oh, it doesn't exist. It's all uh, what they call a nocebo effect. That it's all sort of basically psychological and it's not real. Um, that clearly is not right. Uh, there have been five studies uh, published, and one of them was over over 30 years ago, which showed that in blinded studies you could find people who were very sensitive to the EMFs and where they react uh as as i say under blinded conditions when they don't know when when the uh, emf is on or off they can react with high levels of consistency when it's on and not when it's off so there are clearly some people who are hypersensitive um there are um effects on the human brain and the most important of those, I think, uh, there was a study done by uh, Heuser and Heuser who showed that um, there were 
circuits in the human brain that could be detected by something called fMRI, uh, functional magnetic resonance imaging. Uh, you could show that certain circuits were turned on when people were exposed. The people with EHS were exposed to very low-intensity EMFs. Uh, and there was another study that was um, uh, published by El Greco uh, who showed that over the surface of the brain using a device that I can't really explain how it works, <laughs> you could show changes, major changes in the whole, in the whole surface of the brain these people with EHS as compared with normal people. Now, it's getting harder and harder to find normal people nowadays because all of us are exposed to EMFs, and uh, you know, so we're we're uh, we're all becoming sensitive. But you see, it's not just you're either sensitive or insensitive. There's all kinds of levels of and sensitive. That's, that's exactly why I wanted to kind of pose the possibility people could be suffering from electromagnetic hypersensitivity sensitivity and not really realize it because i think the way if it's ever uh mentioned mm -hmm. in in any sort of you know mainstream context usually you hear something sensational as a way to i think marginalize and discredit the subject matter and people dismiss it thinking mm -hmm. well i don't feel like my skin is on fire or something like that so it must just be those crazy people when it like as you said it's there are uh, levels of um, symptoms. Yeah, they're levels of sensitivity, and they yes. and they vary all over the place. The other thing which is important is that the sensitivity occurs at the level of individual tissues, so the whole body is not necessarily impacted in the same way. And it'll depend on what kind of previous exposures we've had, where they've come from, what parts of the body have been most exposed, things of that sort. And so um, the uh, uh, now let me just say, and I, and I have not published on this yet. Um, I believe now that I understand what the central mechanism is of EHS and that it involves the actual sensitivity of the main target of the EMFs, which are what are called voltage-gated calcium channels, and we haven't talked about those, but that those become hypersensitive and hyperactive as a consequence of previous exposures. And, uh, and so uh, I think now... Uh, that there is an un, uh, an understanding of the central mechanism. And I'm not saying that's the whole story. I think this is a rather complex area. And I'm mm -hmm. sure it's not the whole story, but I think this is the central mechanism. It has to and do you, with the sensitization of the actual targets of the EMFs. You have said that excessive intracellular calcium is the cause of almost everything else, I believe, right? That's correct. And, the, and that everything else includes, for example, lowered fertility, neurological and neuropsychiatric effects, uh, yes. which include things like insomnia, fatigue, depression, headache, lack of concentration or cognitive function, anxiety, stress, agitation, memory dysfunction, 
and as you said, I mean, how many people these days don't, wouldn't say that they suffer from some of these things. It also includes, Mm -hmm. um, cellular DNA damage, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. apoptosis, oxidative stress or free radical damage, endocrine, Mm -hmm. hormonal effects, cancer. I had one specific question and again I don't I'm not trying to drag this in any particular direction but mm-hmm. it seems like a logical question to me one of the things speaking of all of this and we're, we're about 90 seconds away from a break but um I was wondering does two things actually one you know I think of Daniel Nitus's talk a few years ago where he mentioned as doctors, we know the recipe for de- developing chronic disease is inflammation, vitamin and mineral deficiencies, and the inability to detoxify. I was wondering about the inflammation aspect, but also um, mm-hmm. the gender dysphoria. I was wondering if, if there might be some kind of relation to this technology and that phenomenon. I'm sorry, what's dysphoria? Uh, I'm confused. I don't know whether I'm a man or a woman kind of thing. Ah, okay. Um, I think it might, but I don't think I have a a sort of a simple explanation for Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Um, Okay, so there are a large number of of changes that occur in humans and in animals that cause us to become less and less fertile. Um, And uh, they've been most studied in males because it's much easier to study fertility in males. Uh, But they also occur in females. And so they include the whole gamut of things, including uh, the level of the sex hormones. So the sex hormones go down from previous EMF exposures. And uh, that may then lead to this kind of confusion that you're describing. Uh, But let me say um, what's been studied most in that literature are effects of chemicals that have... uh, estrogenic and, in some cases, anti-androgenic activities. Um, so, you know, so, so these things obviously may get very complicated as a consequence of all of that. So, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that the, the whole story is EMFs. I'm sure it's not. Yeah. But that EMFs may well contribute to this. Yeah. And that was kind of my question, though. Is there... Is there a potential relationship, causal or otherwise, you know, and, and I have... Same, well, it is, same I mean, of... these, these are causal relationships. I mean, okay. you know, when you get, when you get, um, and, and I think we have a, a reasonably good understanding of how they, how they can occur. Um, although I don't know that I want to talk about that. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. So, so, so you you do get, and let, let me just say to, to kind of complete this whole thing a little bit with regard to fertility. If you take, there have been a whole series of studies that have been done that have shown you take a semen sample, 
and you split it in half, and you expose half of it to EMFs that we're commonly exposed to, like cell phone radiation, for example, or Wi-Fi radiation. And what happens is you get decreases in, um, in motility. You get uh, decreases in normal morphology of the sperm. You get increases in the DNA damage in the sperm. You get increases in apoptosis, so a lot of those sperm die. Um, and this has been done experimentally in a whole series of studies. And, you know, who knows about this stuff? Yeah. Why aren't we telling people, for instance, that you shouldn't use your laptop on your lap and have the Wi-Fi turned on if you have any desire to have offspring? Yeah. For example. You're not being hyperbolic there. That's literally something that young people need to, well, anyone, as you said, who wants to have children needs to be aware of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even if you're past childbearing age, you still have the issue of testicular cancer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, so, you know, so these things all get, uh, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And and uh, and there's issues. For instance, you got your cell phone. Cell phones radiating all the time. It irradiates more when you have a when you have a uh, cell phone call, but it also irradiates all the time, even when you don't, unless it's completely turned off. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so where you carry your cell phone is important. And so, for example, it's been shown that. Men who carry their cell phones in their front pockets or clip them on their belt have more fertility problems than if they carry their cell phones elsewhere. Yeah. Okay, so you say, well, okay, I'll put it in my back pocket. And that, okay, that might be okay for improving the fertility issue, but then you've got the problem with rectal cancer. Oh, I'll put it in my front of my shirt pocket mm-hmm. next to my ticket and exactly then you get then you get cardiac effects so you know so um now let, let me just say and i don't have any i don't have any commercial interest in these things you can buy um shielded uh um cases that you can carry your cell phone in that are shielded on one side but not on the other. And the shielding Mm -hmm. then, if you put the shielding towards your body, it helps protect you from the radiation. Obviously, it doesn't help protect anybody else. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know. I I dare say you probably Mm -hmm. won't find those cases at the Verizon store. No, you won't, but you can buy them. You can buy them. There's a company called Less EMF, which sells all these things. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't have any commercial relationship with them. I don't get any money from them. Um, so you can you can get these things, uh, and, uh, and and they do they do help you. They don't help anybody else, but and you're you're exposed, and we are all exposed to cell phone radiation, whether we have a cell phone or not, because there's so many all around us. So, uh, you know, it's, um, 
you're living in, and uh, in, in, in the, their artifacts, and I've talked about some of them right here. So, uh, yeah. Um, we're about 60 seconds away from the top of the hour break, and I have... I, I think what we'll do in the second hour is maybe I'll just throw some things out, mm-hmm. some heads of discussion or uh, inquiry on my part, and I, I think I'll let you sort of parse through those um, at your discretion. And it's you know it's just all related stuff. Mm-hmm. And where we're at now reminds me of Tom Wheeler's remarks, F, FCC Chair Tom Wheeler back in 2016, talking about the smart, you know, the the 5G rollout, it's a trillion-dollar industry where, you know, people asking questions saying, you know, like you, for example, saying, hold on a second, this, as you have said, you know, basically this is insane. Why are we not being more um, prudent about this? And he said, we're doing it anyway. And uh, so things like that, you know, one there are there are other related issues that I want to mention for listeners, and maybe we can sort of unpack that a little bit in the second hour. How is this happening? Why is it happening? Then, of course, you know, you know, who can we trust, and what can we do about it? Kinds of questions. So, uh, we're headed into the top of the hour break, into the second hour. So, folks, stick around. We'll be right back for hour number two with my special guest, Dr. Martin Paul. wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop and lift what in the world is an ease-off drop and lift our ease-off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control that sounds great but can i afford it sure and the ease-off installs fast the effortless operation will reduce fatigue speed up your line and increase profits okay i'm convinced where can i get my ease off go to easeoff.com that's e-a-z-e-o-f-f.com and hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time easeoff.com we make pigs fly cows too easeoff llc 417-932-6419 you're listening to the republic broadcasting network because you can handle the truth. 